All right, hello, hello. Welcome back to Liberty Alliance Network's What Can We Do? I'm Haley Heathman. Today, I am pleased to be joined by Kevin Dolan. Kevin Dolan is the founder of Exit, exitgroup.us, and Exit is a fraternal organization dedicated to ending our reliance on corporate employment so that we can't be threatened by a politicized HR department or an employer mandate. Exit members are starting businesses, finding remote jobs, learning trades, growing their own food, and anything that can make them harder to intimidate. Kevin, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thanks. Yeah, I love that. And um, uh, unfortunately, you had to start this out of necessity, I think. Um, and I want to get to that in a second. But um, what I realized is we, we know each other through Tom Woods School of Life, as I know all the people worth knowing are associated with Tom Woods somehow, I think I've discovered. Correct. <laughs> and uh, we did one of those little mini man on the street interviews at the first Tom School of Life. And um, I knew we had to talk more um, after that. And so I'm glad you're here. But part of my accountability group, what I realized is... And what uh, was impressed upon me in the most recent Tom School of Life um, in-person meeting that we did, um, the Practical Liberty Summit, was a lot of it is spent on, um, well, practical liberty. So devising ways to make yourself uncancelable, uh, make yourself more productive, make yourself um, basically in this day and age so that um, when things shit hits the fan, so to speak, that uh, you're going to be hopefully better prepared for it than other people. And um, I realized that I haven't really talked to anybody about that, at least on the business side of things, on the entrepreneur side of things on my podcast. I, I've talked a lot about, about health freedom, education freedom and everything. But so far, I haven't touched on the business side of things. And so in my accountability group, I was brainstorming people who I could talk to. And of course, your name came up. And I thought, yeah, that'd be a great one to talk to. So and and Fortunately or unfortunately, you um, have kind of become an expert on the subject because of your story. So why don't you tell us um, about your background and, and how that led into the creation of Exit? Sure. So I was a, I was a finance analyst and a, and a data scientist at, uh, at defense contractors. And I was also living a, living a shadowy, sinister double life as a Twitter anon. And, um, basically I, there was a, there was a doxing ring, uh, that was focused on, so I'm a Latter-day Saint and, and a couple of our, my friends online were also Latter-day Saints and we got sort of rounded up by this doxing ring and connected to Antifa, connected to some journalists. Uh, my name was in the guardian, which was, uh, you know, a treat. And, um, Basically, uh, they they called. I got I got doxxed on Monday. They called me in on Wednesday, and I think on Thursday I was out of a job. And it was, it was a, a surreal experience because everybody that I actually spoke to, all the all the human beings in the system, were were pretty sympathetic. But it was it was sort of a situation that had its own gravity, and uh, there was an inevitability to it, and essentially it, that that's kind of what I learned from that experience. I kind of already had, had sort of theorized about it, but it was, it was very clear to me when that happened that the law was structured to make this happen. It wasn't just that like, Oh, there's like 
media outrage or PR outrage that that my company's going to have to deal with. Because like, I mean, these companies make death rays. You know, there's there's uh, there's there's bombs that have their logo on them that are killing kids. So like, it's not about outrage. Like, give me a break. It's it's about the law. Because what's what happens is if they hear that I'm a monster, right? I'm a I'm a predatory, racist, fascist, you know, whatever your you know, pick your adjective, and they let me continue to work there, then all that has to happen is the craziest person at that office has to accuse me of something, and then they just say, look. He he said this horrible thing. He called me this horrible slur. And you guys knew that would happen. And you let him stay anyway. And so you're, it's basically just an excuse to put your hand in their pocket. And I mean, that that essentially happened with Tesla. Tesla got, took for $137 million. And so, you know, if if you create an incentive like that, where people can, People can go find $137 million if they can, if they can identify something that's uh, discriminatory or creates a hostile work environment. Well, people are going to find them. They're going to go looking for them. And it, it, it's sort of by, just by virtue of an incentive structure, it, it creates a situation where all of these corporations actually hire their own secret police. They hire their private, and that's what HR is. HR's job is to catch you before the crazy person catches you thinking incorrectly. Well, so, so that the company it's probably not a, a far cry to imagine that most HR departments are just uh, stacked full of Karens, so to speak. <laughs> well, they have to be. That's their job. It's, that's exactly what their job is to do. They, they, they are hired to police these ideological rules that are constantly changing. So they have to be up to date. They have to be... It's it's like a it's like a priesthood, but it's a priesthood that's predicated on a, a constantly changing set of doctrines. And so they have to be looped in. That's that's even if they didn't want to be. So yeah, that's that's that was my experience. And then and then basically I had a bunch of people reach out to me. You know, I had enough of an audience on Twitter that How many had, followers a, did you have at the time that you were doxxed approximately? I think I had twelve thousand. Oh wow. So you had a I've got, you know, a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. So 12, I mean, it's hard to, to gain a, a following of that, that big. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it I mean, I tweet a lot. <laughs> 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 you have to be a little bit of a, well, and that's, that's something I think about also too, with this whole system is like, it doesn't advantage mentally normal people, <laughs> like yeah. including myself. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you you rise to the top by being a little unusual, a little obsessive, a little uh, imbalanced. Yeah. And um, do you can you t give us some details about what it was that got you that set somebody off and who exactly was inflamed or are you a little bit uh, shy? Oh yeah, no. I mean, yeah. I'm easy to find. You can go find yeah. the expose, read it for yourself. But oh, but. Uh, uh, basically, uh, so I talked about, so in, in my church, we have something called the family proclamation, which is basically like the, the leadership of the church put out this document. That's like, this is what we believe about families. And it was, you know, kids deserve a mom and a dad. 
and who are married. And uh, the law of chastity is absolute. The, the commandment to multiply and replenish the earth has not been rescinded. Like you should be having babies. And, um, and among many, many other things. And about the role, like what, what, what is a father's role in a family? What is a mother's role in a family? And, f- you know, all of that is criminal in itself. But, but the moment that you elaborate, elaborate on that to opine on the issues of the day, you know, talk about, talk about who gets, who gets kids through these adoption and surrogacy agencies, talk about, you know, essentially what has happened with the sexual revolution between men and women and, 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 and with, with dual income families and, and, and what's happening in, in, in the workplace. I mean, it's it's bad enough to just articulate like kids need a mom and a dad and and moms and dads have different roles but but when you actually like get into the arena with those principles you know it it it, it irritates some people and uh i mean they you know all they they weren't exactly trying to be fair they also uh got me because i i reviewed charles murray's book human diversity they said uh, i was a white nationalist because i liked that book and and uh, and did a review on it they they said that I was anti-Semitic because I talk about Epstein, which <laughs> I don't know what to tell you about that. Right. But but uh, you know, like it's it's. They say the same thing about George Soros. If you criticize George Soros, you're an anti-Semite too. Sure, sure. So so I mean, and I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say like they they totally mischaracterized everything I said. I said some things that were legitimately inflammatory, and. Uh, I mean, I guess all that I can say about that, though, is like I worked with and for, and this was in a this was in a a secure environment where you're background checked and you've been through a polygraph and you've done the whole nine yards. I worked with and for avowed open communists, like hammer and sickle, like and and uh, and abolish the family. And like those kind at the, of people. at the defense agency you worked for, is that what you're saying? Yes, yeah, correct. And those views were not a problem. It's just these views. So, yeah. So it's it's not like there's some general principle of like, let's all just get along and don't don't say offensive things. It's like no, it's a particular ideological construct that is allowable and another one that is not allowable so anyway yeah that's uh so that that must have you know you said that whatever happened it was on monday and then by thursday you were basically out of a job that was like Mm -hmm. that that happened quick um unlike i mean even even james o'keefe from project veritas i mean they put him on a two-week leave so at least he had two I mean, who knows what's happening on in the background there, but it's supposedly hmm. even in that two weeks, at least you can maybe form a plan, figure some things out. But my word, yeah. your, your head must have been spinning how quickly all that happened. Yeah, one of the best things to tell a guy in that situation, it's really rewarding to me to be able to talk to guys who are in that situation because there's so much of it that's in your body. There's so much of it like, because you're not eating, you're not really sleeping you're in this like you're in this fight or flight mode for a good for a good two weeks and uh, i was very fortunate that i had a very loving and supporting wife who 
I was gonna ask how she, she how she handled it and what her take oh, was she, on everything. The, the night that it happened, she <laughs> she went on Twitter and like she's up all night, like like back sassing all the people who were mean to me on on Twitter. That'd be me. I'd be like, I'm ready to fight. You know, I'm gonna fight, stand up for your man, right? That's it. Yeah, yeah. No, she was she was wonderful and 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 very supportive, and and so were you know most of my friends and family, uh, almost almost all of them. And, uh, so I had that going for me and a lot of guys don't. And, uh, that's, I, I think, and part of, part of my, <clears throat> part of what I've learned is the guys who have the hardest time are the ones who are socially and professionally and personally between two worlds. Like, if they've got a lot of their friends and a lot of their professional contacts and a lot of their family that's bought in, it can be really just brutal because you, you, you realize that like a lot of people that you thought were that you thought you could count on, it turns out you couldn't count on them. And it was, it was much more conditional uh, and contingent than you thought it was. Yeah. So go ahead. You know, Thursday, you're out of a job. Uh, what what happened after that? Um, how long between being jobless to I've got this idea of what happened to me shouldn't happen to anybody else and I'm going to go to exit? What's the process? I launched on Friday. Yeah. Uh, basically, the day that I knew I was busy, was, I think it was Wednesday. I was talking to some friends and I was just sort of like, man, what do I do? And uh, I had known, I mean, I had, I had, they reached out to me uh, individually. They reached out to me uh, through a back channel to let me know they were going to do this. I don't know why. I think, I think just to uh, prolong the agony, I don't, but it actually gave me some time to think. To know and, what, um, that, that they were going to dox you or that they were. Yeah, really, that they were going to dox me. So, so you knew that this was coming. It wasn't, not like your, it wasn't through your employers saying that they were going to fire you is you knew that the doxing was coming. Correct. How far in advance was that? Maybe a week or two. Yeah. So I'd had some time to strategize a little bit, but it actually wasn't until the day I got fired that it actually came together. And I was like, because enough people reached out to me to check in on me and see if I was okay and ask what they could do to help and ask if I could, if they could help me with a job or something. I mean, it was, it was dozens of people. And, you know, some people were mean too, but like I've got my DMs off, so, you know, they couldn't come get me individually. But, uh, but I had so many people that were, that were trying to be supportive of me. I thought, you know, instead of me just taking one of these lanes and, and going and getting another data science job, what if I took all of these opportunities and I brought people together and I said, how do we make ourselves more resistant to this kind of thing so we don't have to worry about this? And maybe so that we can even plan for it. Like, like you know, if, if you could engineer your life such that you could get doxxed and then ride that wave, you know, if, if, you're, a, if you're somebody who wants to be anti-fragile that way, like some people just want to do a job and those people... It's about, it's about information security. It's about like watching, you know, uh, you know, 
locking down your situation. But guys like me who really want to talk, <laughs> who, who really want like like if it's if it's if it's psychologically important to you to run your mouth online, then let's engineer a situation where when the day comes and you get docs, it's actually like a, a big news day for you. It's like, uh, hey, I get to I get to. And frankly, like I I can't uh, I can't pretend that being in the newspaper, so to speak. And being able to tell th tell people that this happened to me wasn't a huge boost to what I'm trying to do now. It absolutely yeah, was. Right. And and so if you're in a position to deploy that, then I mean, number one, that individual is is much more squared away, which is obviously something that I want for everybody. But number two, the people who want to come after you have to think twice. Because they don't want your life to get better. Right. <laughs> well, as, as Tom Woods says, monetize your haters, right? Right, right. And again, 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 not everybody can do that. And not everybody should, you know, not everybody should plan for that. And so we, we definitely have diversity of tactics inside our group. But I mean, basically my, and, and I like, I would say probably only 10 or 15% of my guys are posters. Like they need to post. They 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 got to be in the arena, you know, saying stuff they're not allowed to say. That's just shit who they posters. Are. That's right. God bless them. Yeah. And, um, Meme lords, etc. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and the rest of the guys are they 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 they're just as they're just as committed to the the ideas, and it's just as important to them. But they're not trying to be out starting fights about it. Like they, they want to get their family squared away. They want to, they want to create a situation where their kids can grow up healthy and find other healthy kids and start families. And, and basically this, this whole cancel culture thing, this whole woke thing, we're not united by like, we all hate wokeness. We're united by this vision of, of what we want to see. We want to see our kids grow up healthy and have healthy families of their own. We want to, and 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 I believe that's a civilizational problem that we're up against. I mean that will that will destroy civilization if you don't if you don't find a way for people to be able to marry and reproduce and have their kids continue iterate that system. And that's why I'm I'm running this this natalism conference later this year. We're 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 very much about that, and so. Uh, a lot of these guys are trying to get squared away personally so that they have the just escape velocity, just the monetary flexibility to get their kids in the right neighborhood and the right schools on the right land, you know, with the right opportunities. Uh, so, so it's, it takes all kinds, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's, it's, it's personalized to each individual, what their, what their aspiration is. But the, but what unites it all is that uh, that sense of what's important. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a little jealous at how quickly you got everything off the ground. You're you're kind of like what my mom says and how she she describes herself a, a shoot first, aim later kind. And, and <laughs> I feel like I'm the opposite, where I have to have all my ducks in a row and I have to think five steps in advance. And if I can't see past step five, I better not even get started. And so it holds me back in a lot of things. Um, you know, so I admire people like you who can just just go for it, even if you might not have the whole thing fleshed out. Um, 
Like it took me, that, I feel like weeks just to decide on a name for my, you know, Liberty Alliance network. I'm playing, I'm going doing acronyms. I'm doing anagrams or whatever. I'm playing with it. I mean, you know, it just took weeks just to decide on a stupid name. You know, I don't know. And uh, so I'm, I'm really impressed that you just kind of were like, all right, let's go time. <laughs> okay. So my only reason for pushing back on that is, is I had exactly the same problem before all this happened. And I really don't believe that that's like a temperament thing. Like, I don't believe there's like a certain type of person who has the X factor. I, I think to some extent it was what happened to me. Like, you know, my kids had to eat like your, your, your decision, your, your, your calculus changes right. rapidly. Yeah. And, and good enough is good enough. And you're also, you're also talking to people so much more aggressively, like, like everything about exit. I can't think of a single element of what we do that was just me. Like that I came up with the, I'm, I'm not talking about execution. Like obviously lots of, lots of people execute and, and, and are, and are part of the teams that we're doing, but I'm talking about even just the concept. Wouldn't it be neat if we, did X, Y, Z. All of that was somebody else had a, had a thought and I said, oh, that'd be great. Let's bring it in. Yes, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. And um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I would say like, if you, if you want to break out of that, like analysis paralysis thing, I, I would be having just tons of conversations. And I would also, I, I would find a way to get hungry. Like, to need that, to need that problem solved. Cause you really do like, like people ask me like how I came up with, first of all, the pricing. Yeah. Funny yeah. story. Like I, 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 cause we were, we were at $37 and $67 and $99 and people were like, huh, where'd you get those? The truth was one of my guys who had run groups like that in the past said, that's your pricing schedule. And I said, why? And he said, shut up. Just that's your pricing schedule. And I said, okay. Yeah. <laughs> cause I right. needed, cause I needed a pricing schedule and I just did it. And, uh, and, and you know, so many things are like that where yes, uh, if you can find anybody who's done anything like what you've done, what, what you're trying to do and you can just steal their template that makes it so much easier to let go of your fear about like, I don't know if this is the right call. You can at least say, well, they did it and it worked and, uh, you know, be, be innovative, but don't be paralyzed, you know? Yeah. And, so when, uh, you, when you started this, um, obviously it was, was it just you? Did you already know you were going to bring on partners and tell me how, how, um, if your initial vision, how it holds up to where you are today, what's evolved, what hasn't worked out and, you know, how you've grown. Yeah. So, so initially it was literally one call a week, Tuesday nights, 9 PM. And the purpose of that call for the first couple of weeks was, all right, we're going to have, we're going to have hot seats where we like help somebody with a problem. Like, uh, the whole group is going to like talk about what they're up against. And we had some great, um, conversations, but the rest of it was, what do you guys want to do? <laughs> 
<laughs> like, what uh, what do you guys need? What are you guys interested in? And and one of the guys said, well, we could do like mastermind. We could do like accountability stuff. And I said, great. Should we do just a general one? Should we do topics? And I sort of asked the guys, what topics are you interested in? And then we came up with trades and entrepreneurship and tech and fitness and and uh, and content. And then it was okay, now we've got these, these calls. Well, the entrepreneurship call is getting too full, so let's have two. And then it was, you know, the guys are starting to want to work together on things instead of just report in on their personal projects. So now we got these project-based calls. We got guys who are starting a shrimping farm. We got guys who are, uh, they're doing a literary competition. We got a tech boot camp. We got cancellation insurance. We're doing a scouting alternative, just all kinds of different projects that the guys are building together. And then this, this, like I say, this natalism conference at work, we're, we're working on and some consulting and but yeah. So how it's evolved in terms of the, the actual things that we do, they've just become much more involved and, and we're, we're much more integrated. And some of it is just, we had to develop the trust with each other that like we were, we were all of people of goodwill and competent and, and, and reliable. And we do meetups once a month now all over the country. So we've done. Vegas, the Bay Area, Branson, Missouri, Austin, DC, Pennsylvania. Uh, we're doing back to Salt Lake in a month. We're going to New York in May. And the purpose of that for, is to create. I look create... forward to your visit to the villages, Florida. Florida's. Hey, all right. <laughs> you know, you can you can do golf cart rides with the old people, dance at the town square. Man, it'd be awesome. <laughs> I like it. I like it. How far away is that from Orlando? About an hour. Okay. Yeah, I'm. Ki- yeah, we'll I'm, see what we I'm can do. kidding because it's it's a it's a retirement city, so <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a joke. But you're welcome to. That'd be great. So so right now it says um, you've got like 163 active members. About how many did you start uh-huh. off with? And how did you? Get, I mean, was it just word of mouth that you kind of grew the membership? Yeah, the first two weeks was the first two weeks was 60, I think. Wow. And. Uh, yeah, and 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 people just jumped in because a lot of them, a lot of them jumped in because they wanted to support me. You know, uh, I, I think and 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 not just support me, but but in their own way, push back against what had happened, kind of to all of us. You know, like it was it was I was the beneficiary of a lot of goodwill and a lot of a lot of goodwill and a lot of anger that went beyond me and my situation. And, and so, you know, some of those guys didn't necessarily care what the offering was. They were just like, let's, you know, screw these people. We can't let them win. Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, and, and what has, what has refined over time is some of those guys have, have decided they want to, support long-term. And some of those guys, they've seen that I was okay. They said, all right, I'm done. And that's, you know, God bless them. But, uh, but, but now it's, it's much more people who, who want what we're doing, you know, and, and want to participate actively, uh, which is great. And, um, and I would say as far as the ethos, we've refined it from this general, like, cause originally it was about, it was just about like sovereignty. It was about like, well, practical liberty, I think, is a good synonym. Like, there's there's the liberty that you have on paper, and there's what you can actually, what you actually want to do, and who's going to stop you, right? 
And we were very focused on building that. And then I, we just sort of got to thinking about like, well, why do we care about this so much? Why do we care about practical liberty and sovereignty maybe more than we did 10 years ago? And the conclusion that I reached was that it, it was because it felt increasingly impossible for us to raise families within this regime's rule set. Like, cause I can, you know, I can sit through a diversity training. I shouldn't have to, but like that's survivable, you know, that's not, you know, whatever people can have dumb ideas. It's when it starts to meaningfully interfere with like the basic functions of my life, the basic aspirations that I have for myself and my family. That's when you have to, well, exit. You have to disentangle yourself from those systems. And so, yeah, in, in terms of values, it hasn't changed, but it's clarified quite a bit and it's deepened. And then, and then, yeah, just we've just become way busier yeah. <laughs> as far as what we're doing. Well, and I think you might not, I think in hindsight, you can probably appreciate it, but you were at an advantage in a way from what happened to you because you already kind of had, you you already had a tribe, even though probably a lot of it was obviously online or Twitter based. And I'm sure obviously maybe through your church and other ways, but you already had your tribe. So that made this way more survivable than yeah. had you um, not already made connections and networks and um, had a group that was ready to rally and support you. And I'm sure probably a lot of, you, you kind of touched on it before, the guys that have a hard time of it are, well, maybe they have a tribe, but they're not necessarily ideologically aligned with them. Or perhaps there's a lot of people that, that don't have a, a tribe at all, so to speak of. I mean, maybe they don't have a family. They don't have strong connections to their community. They just try and put their head down and, and get through the day. And then all of a sudden they're out of a job or something and they, they, are at a loss as to what to do. Um, yeah. What do you advise in that situation? Yeah, I was incredibly fortunate, incredibly fortunate and, and, and blessed. And I, I, what I advise them to do, like, honestly, the purpose of exit, the purpose of this group is to get those guys squared away. It's to get it's to get people like that into a situation where they do have people who care about them because we still do the hot seats. Like if somebody gets uh, doxxed or they get their job is threatened or some some complication with their business, uh, we still do circle the wagons and put them in touch with experts who can help them. And you know, I wouldn't answer your question with just a plug for my thing, except that my thing was created to answer that question. <laughs> like that's, that's why we started it. And, and, and I would say, but on their own, on their own, what I would advise them to do is diversify your revenue streams, find other ways of making money. And there's lots of little ways to make money. I sell books on Amazon still, even as, even as these, these opportunities have become, you know, much more attractive and lucrative. I still have a little inventory of, of books that I, I go to estate sales and, and I go find cheap hardbacks and I flip them for, I buy them for a dime and I sell them for 30 bucks. And, uh, 
you know, stuff like that. Uh, I know a guy who flips riding lawnmowers and makes good money doing that. Like there's just, there's, there's all kinds of little, little hustles. You don't have to be like a, uh, you don't have to have like an innovative SaaS solution <laughs> to be an entrepreneur, which I think is what a lot of people kind of envision. So I would, I would be telling them find side hustles, find what you're really good at, find what you're here on earth to do. And, and also go looking for, go looking for where, where like-minded people are to be found. And, uh, it, it, it if I was, to, if I, I actually, I actually did a, a newsletter on building a network from nothing a couple of weeks ago. And basically my, my recommendation for somebody who needs to build a robust network and if they don't have one at all is to start a project that's too big for you. Like start something that you have no idea how to accomplish it and then figure out who are all the people that you'd need to talk to to accomplish that goal. I bought a cow and, and I, I, I didn't buy a cow. I, I bought a cow cause I wanted to have this aesthetic experience of, you know, what would it be like to, to own a cow and, and milk the cow and drink the milk and, and, and have my kids around a cow, like just sort of that experience. But, but I also had this ulterior motive of, I need an excuse to talk to all these people who know about farming and ranching here in the area. I need an excuse to go to the co-op where they sell the feed and the bailing wire and the snips. And, and I need to talk to the veterinarian in the county. I know that there's two veterinarians in the county now and, and which one's cool and which one's not. And like the, the network that I developed through that process, I mean, even just the people at the cattle auction, the network that I developed through that process of trying to buy a cow when I had no clue how to buy a cow was far more valuable to me than the actual experience of owning the cow. Do you still was, have the cow? Was, she's pastured on another, another person's land because, so she, we got her pregnant. We, we, we received her pregnant already. And she gave birth and then as soon as she stopped as soon as we weaned the calf and then we stopped milking her she went into heat again and then she tore up the fence looking for the bull so so we had to repasture her and probably in our next situation when we when we get our our land squared away i'll probably own beef cattle again. I don't know if I'll do dairy again. Dairy is a lot more labor intensive. Well, it is because those things got to be milked every day. And, yeah. You know, and I mean, well, like you couldn't be... take a vacation necessarily. I mean, if you want to take a family vacation somewhere, you got to make provisions right. for, I need a cow milker. <laughs> right. Right. For people who, for people who still want the kind of like modern livelihood flexibility, I think chickens and rabbits are pretty good. Because, uh, you know, you'll lose some eggs, but that's not a big deal uh, if, you, if you leave town. And, uh, and you know, you got to have provisions for them and keep them, you know, secure while you're away. But that's, those are solvable problems. A cow, uh, milking a cow, you got to milk the cow. Yeah, right. You got to pay somebody to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I, I'm constantly looking for, like, uh, 
Because I don't think I'm not like a return guy. I'm not like a let's go back to the land and let's go be farmers kind of a guy. I'm like, let's find what works. I'm very like mercenary about it. For us, I think uh, on enough land with the right fences, beef cattle work, chickens work, you know, it's whatever works. I think that's a great piece of advice and something that, I mean, it's, it's not intuitive um, and not like your boilerplate type of advice that somebody would give you about maybe a situation like this. I think it's, it made me think, I thought, Oh, huh. Just as you said, I'm like, wow, that's really great <laughs> to, to start something bigger than yourself that requires you to bring in outside resources and networks and everything. That's actually a very insightful, sneaky little piece of advice there that I think, hopefully I think maybe would be somebody's big takeaway from, um, today's interview, today's chat. If you, if you start a business there, there are a lot of people I know who have failed businesses and pretty much, I I don't, I don't know a ton of people who just go from failure to failure to failure to failure. And I think part of the reason for that is like, like my, my, uh, my cow experience, I would argue was kind of a failure because we, we, we messed up the milking and then we stopped milking her and then she tore up the fence and, you know, we, we were not competent, effective dairy farmers, but because of the network that we built, we were able to do the next thing much more effectively. And I think with entrepreneurship, with starting a business, it's incredibly, as long as, as long as you're building a network that's, that's somewhere in the ballpark of where you actually want to end up like that network will still be there for the next thing. And uh, hang on one second. And so no effort is wasted. Like, like you, you, you build the network through your failure. And as long as you fail well, right, you fail with integrity. You don't fail because you were lazy and, and stupid and irresponsible, you know, then that network is still there for you when you have the next big idea, the next cool thing you want to do. And, and, uh, and I, I've, I've watched that happen. I've watched as people who, who, uh, you know, I, I know a guy who, who sold a business and he is so, he is so free. He is so able to jump right back into that scene anytime he wants. And he could just do it again in a way that somebody who hadn't done that before couldn't. Even even leaving aside the even leaving aside his exit, leaving aside the pile of money that he got when he sold the business, if if he was wiped out, he spent all that partying, you know, had a big exit party. He would still just drop of a hat. He could go be right back in that scene because of what he had built socially by having that business. I feel like that's a secret sauce that we don't teach our kids these days either. You know, if you taught your kids like at a, in a teenage, you know, beyond just like a silly little lemonade stand, you know, like not, Mm -hmm. but, uh, real entrepreneurship skills. And maybe it's not something that they want to do as a lifelong career, but just get them to do and learn entrepreneurship because you're learning those skills already that you can then parlay into your next venture. Hey, maybe you're not going to be selling jewelry, little B jewelry for the rest of your life. But what you learned from doing that, and of course, that's something that's stuff that they absolutely do not, will not teach you in uh, mm-hmm. traditional 
public school. They avoid that like right. plague, you know, no entrepreneurship skills whatsoever, no learning how to be self-sufficient. God forbid we learn that <laughs> yeah. at all. So one of the things that jumped out at me though, when I was looking at uh, your mission statement um, is it says a fraternal organization. Is that a legal or a tax d- delineation or is that just like a, a sounds good or is there like an actual like legal or tax reason that you say fraternal organization? Well, it's a men's group. It is a men's group. And, uh, and, and essentially in order to, I don't, I don't know that it matters necessarily what you call it, but in order to, in order to be able to do that legally, my understanding is that a, and I'm not a lawyer to be clear. My understanding is that in order to be selective in that way, your group has to be what's called a bona fide club. Meaning you have to select individuals. It has to be not invitation only, but it has to be like, like you can't, uh, you can't just make like a, uh, a club where you sell staplers and only members get to buy the staples staplers from the stapler club and only men are allowed to do that because that's just a workaround for you want to run a stapler business and you don't want women to buy your staplers. So a bona fide club has to be more like, no, this is actually a, a, a club with some criteria and, and, and a selection process. And so I actually interview each individual who comes in and, and we talk about what their aspirations are and whether or not they're a fit for what we're trying to accomplish. And, that's a, I is think that, both valuable for building the network and it also it, it is part of being a, a bonafide club. Right. Cause I've kind of explored that a little bit when maybe in my own mind, devising other schemes, like in particular thinking about education alternatives and, yeah. um, how can we create education? Cause that's a huge need in our circles is, you know, we need to get these kids out of government schools. Yes. But unfortunately we live in the type of society where our money has been devalued so much that you need two parent households. Childcare is still a need. And of course the government free government schools fulfills that need. So how can we provide a better solution for parents that might not be able to homeschool, maybe they don't have a, a two parent, you know, maybe both parents need to work, or maybe unfortunately you have a single parent situation. So I'm thinking about, oh, okay, well, here's the problem is that if you start anything that resembles a school, quote, mm-hmm. then by calling it a school, you are automatically probably set up to be regulated uh, via state laws and, and uh, dictates. Uh, even if it's an alternative school, there are still like bare minimums. But if we maybe sort of bypass that by creating maybe like a community center of some sort, that's a membership based enterprise. It's similar to that where, Hey, maybe um, education isn't the sole focus, but it's a safe place where maybe you can leave your kids um, with some qualified mentors as you go to work. I don't know. I was just kind of thinking about that and want to, how we could get around that uh, regulatory apparatus that happens when you call yourself a school. Um, Well, I actually think, I actually think uh, religious schools 
comparatively have a little bit of an easier time. It, it I, I, we have a guy in the group actually who has started a uh, a boys' school in uh, in Dayton, Ohio, and it, it seems to me that the the problem that he runs into, to the extent there is a problem, is you probably can't qualify as a charter outside of like becoming a charter school regulates you some, but there are religious charter schools. And then accreditation is another issue. But, uh, but I would say, I mean, my solution to that whole problem, basically, I don't know that there's a, I don't know that there's a global solution like that, that, that fits everybody's situation. I think you want to have one of the things I, I love what Rufo's doing, Chris Rufo. Yes. In, in trying to essentially loot the education power flow, the, uh, the power that is coming from, from these tax monies and saying, because basically what he's doing is he's, he's, he's acknowledging that the government doesn't actually believe that that belongs to the people. They don't actually, they don't actually believe that, that parents have a right to make decisions about what their kids learn. And, and they don't actually want to delegate that authority to parents. And, and so they have kind of a choice with Chris. They can either say, they can either admit that they don't actually believe that they are accountable to, to the parents or they can give right-wing Christian MAGA homeschool moms $900 million, <laughs> which they sure as hell don't want to do. So, so he's got him in a little bit of a double bind, uh, which is beautiful to watch. And I mean, in Arizona, from what I understand, it's like $7,000 per student that's, that's being made available to homeschoolers. Which, I mean, that would put my wife in like school teacher salary territory. And we're, we're, we're fortunate that she's, she's, she's been a homemaker our entire marriage, but, but, uh, but I sure wouldn't say no to that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and, you know, kind of going back to the fact that you, this exit, um, your exit group, it is men, men's only men only. And I, I imagine that was fairly deliberate because it, Sounds like in a way that you are trying to reestablish cultural norms. You know, you've got various, your accountability groups focus on a few things. You mentioned before, trades, tech, fitness, entrepreneurship, and content creation. And mm -hmm. um, I was listening to one of the podcast episodes that um, you guys did last year. Who was it? Dr. Barrett? What's his name? Dr. Barnett? Dr. Bennett? That's me. Dr. Bennett. That's my... <laughs> That was you. Okay. Sorry. I didn't realize. That's me. Oh, no, no, no worries. <laughs> yeah. No, I really like that one because it really went through, um, talked about each one, why each of these is important. What about the trades? What do we need about know about the trades? What are we trying to do with tech? You made a really good point too about fitness. Um, you know, why we need to focus on fitness. couple of reasons. Number one, because maybe in an uh, apocalyptic future where we need to survive, basically, the, it's literally going to be a survival of the fittest. You didn't quite say it like that. But one of the other things, too, is because you want to be able to attract a quality mate. 
And uh, unfortunately, I know I, I know that the circles aren't perfectly aligned, but they're you know what's going on with what you do, and obviously Tom Woods is a, you know an outright libertarian, and I like the Tom Woods School of Life because it is a little bit of a cut above, uh, because your typical libertarian event, I'm sorry to say, um, are a lot of schlubs. Yeah, you know, t-shirt sure. wearing, neck beards, overweight, look like basement dwellers. I'm sorry, I, I, I hate to say it. You know, yeah. I love them ideologically, but man, they need to, uh, as Jordan Peterson says, clean your own room. Yeah, and there's a reason why libertarianism. I think, and maybe it's not the main reason, but part of it is because it's the people who embrace it are not high status people. And yeah. I think that's what you're trying to do is to create a high status male who can move culture and create culture. And I think that's wonderful trying to fill this need of, of what it is to be a, a man these days and why we need men. Yeah. And I, I, I've never, with apologies to, I have friends who have kind of aimed directly at the masculinity beat. And they've tried to like be about masculinity. I think it's sort of like being about religion. Like you can't you can't make a church for the sake of having a church. You have to have like the principles underlying that and like why. Like what do you actually believe in? And I think masculinity is almost similar. Where um, if you make your brand about like let me let me let me teach you how to be a man. You, you you sort of you attract a particular demographic that's kind of who you're talking about. It's people who like they're, they're kind of looking for a, like a dad, and that, you know, not my not my speed. No, thank you. And uh, and and I, I think ultimately the same thing is true of like trying to create like a political scene, trying to create like a political movement. If you aim directly at that, you get people who don't necessarily have a ton going on. And I think what's beautiful about Tom's group is that it's so practical. Yes. It's, it's, let's actually just get ourselves squared away. Let's stop the endless like sermonizing about how it ought to be. And let's just focus on how it is. And, and I think that does a couple of things. Number one, so many of these uh, like ideological groups, they fly apart at the seams because if you're there to talk politics, like you have this need for purity. You have this need for like, because if, if what we're going to go do is take political action, well, then we better be on the same side politically. We'd better be really harmonized. And, you know, you know, three libertarians, five opinions, right? And And I think... So I think this focus on like, what are we trying to accomplish? It's like, we're just trying to, uh, the, the, what I, what I think, I, I think I talked about this on the podcast, but what, what I liken it to is like, there's a beautiful green pasture on the other side of a river and uh, we need to get over there. And like, maybe you want to do cows over there and maybe you want to go hike the mountains over there and like, I don't care. Let's just build a bridge. Like, we can all just get together and build this bridge and then it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter what you want to do on the other side of it. So we've got like we've got guys of of lots of different religious uh persuasions in the group. I would say roughly like god-fearing is probably a good uh I mean that's that's not explicitly the standard but that's what you find. And um and it's it's 
we, we have the same aspirations with respect to family. That's, that's the, the, that's the, the, the green pastures that we're trying to get to all of us. And, you know, the guys who are single have different problems than the guys who are married, no kids have different problems than the guys who are married with kids and how old are the kids. But yeah, it, it, the, the practicality of it and the, the, the business-like character of it makes it just so much easier to collaborate because you know what you want from, from them, you know, you know what, you know how you can help. It's, uh, we also do, this is a little bit related. Maybe we also have a prayer role and, and the, the purpose of the prayer role, uh, in addition to just the fact that I, I believe in prayer, um, believe it's powerful is, uh, is that we learn about what's going on in each other's lives because of what they ask to, for us to pray for. And, uh, and so that's, uh, you know, that's how you get tight is, is when you start, when you start to, because like, yeah, if, if you open with, if you open with that kind of like depth and like this demand for intimacy, that's really hard. But if you start from like, Hey, can you help me start an LLC? It's very, you know, straightforward, uh, reciprocity conversation. And then we get to know each other. We get to work with each other a little bit. And then I can start to tell you about like, yeah, man, uh, my, my, so my son, one of my sons needed to have his tonsils out cause he was having sleep apnea and like was really struggling and was crying all night. It was really hard on me and the wife. We got to talk about that and sort of more, more, you get more personal organically. And I guess I'm, 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 dancing all around your initial point, which was about masculinity. And I guess to sum all that up, I would say building a community of good men is not something that you get by aiming at it. It's something that you get by creating something for good men to do. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful sentiment. I love the way you put that. Did you just come up with that on the spot? Uh, yeah. Wow. That was, <laughs> that was great. You know, and something I've observed over the past couple of years, um, uh, in particular with the COVID fight, but um, all the wokeness in general and what's going on in the schools and everything is outwardly, a lot of the people that are spearheading these movements are women. You get moms mm-hmm. for liberty, moms taking action, et cetera. You get a lot of the people at the school boards who are the moms. And throughout these last few years, um, whatever it may be, I've kind of been asking, well, where are the men? And I get it. And, and you can tell me what you think, whether it's a legitimate excuse or not. I, you know, probably the men are too scared because they might be the breadwinners um, and they are afraid of getting canceled. So should the men be stepping up more to take these fights on head on? What do you think men and women should be doing maybe with their respective roles with these culture wars that we're fighting? What are your thoughts on that? I think anytime you're dealing with a big picture incentive gradient, you're going to get imbalances that you can't just chalk up to like personal choice. Like, uh, on this subject of on this subject of of uh, natalism, having children, in the big picture, like it makes no sense to look at a panda bear that's not reproducing in captivity, and say like, 
oh, he has lower moral character than his panda grandparents who successfully reproduced. It's like, no, you messed up his habitat. You did something like something's wrong with his situation. And that's why he's like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an animal. It's a panda bear. And I think something similar is happening with both fertility rates and with speech. I think it's the same kind of phenomenon. You create conditions that disincentivize things and you get less of them. And that's just the way it is. And I think you are, you are right that, uh, women in general are less cancelable. And I think, you know, there's, there's always, there's always a role for personal character. Everyone is imperfect and, and could do better for sure. But when I hear, when I hear about like big picture trends about anything, I go, well, it's probably not everybody becoming morally turpid at the same time. It's, it's probably something to do with the incentives, right? <laughs> like, like I, I, and I, I would say, I would say like, does that absolve anybody individually? No, no. Like you should still do your best with whatever situation you are handed. But if you want, but if you want the big picture trend to change, if you want people at large to act differently, telling them to man up doesn't help at least in my experience. And, and I, I would say what I am trying to accomplish with these guys and in general, the way I, the way I see it, if you, you can have a massive force multiplier effect where if you can create a small group of guys who are squared away enough that they can speak their minds without fear, then people will see People speak their minds without fear. And this is important. Take hits. They have to actually be attacked by the system and they have to survive that. And then everybody else looks and they go, okay, maybe this is survivable. Maybe there are circumstances in which I could speak up. And uh, it goes the same way in reverse. If you see somebody be totally just destroyed by a cancellation event, that scares Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of other people changes their behavior. And, and I, I, I actually, uh, it's, it's funny. I was late to this recording. I was speaking to my realtor, who's a friend of mine, who is intimately involved with the Loudoun County moms. Oh, wow. She's, she's been on TV doing that whole thing. And, uh, and yeah, she is able to say more than her husband is. And I do not, I, it makes perfect sense to me that her husband is not uh, saying everything that she's saying. That's, uh, that's life in Loudoun County. And, but I think what we need to do basically is just deploy everybody where they're best deployed. And, and, you know, I'd love to get her husband to a situation maybe, you know, where, where he was more free. I'm sure he'd like to be. But it's case by case. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's I think that's the perfect plug for your organization is, well, where have the men been? Well, in as much as part of, you know, the explanation is that they've been too scared to speak up because they need their job. They're the breadwinner. They've got a mortgage to pay. They can't afford to be canceled or anything like that. 
that's where exit group comes in. And, and, um, and the moms need their husbands to have jobs too. Let's be clear. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like the moms who are out there speaking their mind, pounding the pavement, uh-huh. th- like a lot of them will tell you, yeah, my husband can't be here and I don't want him here. Yeah. Right. You know, under right. these conditions. Well, I love, we're going to start wrapping up right now. I love everything that you've been doing and I love that you have, you know, taken to be cliche, uh, turn lemons into lemonade. And would you say you are at least, I know it's only one measure, but financially, are you worse off, better off, or about the same than you were before? Uh, uh, Dramatically better off. (laughs) There there you go. Perfect. Uh, I I love to hear it. Again, you've done everything um, to, you can to, um, you've succeeded. You've, 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 you've taken that hero's journey basically where they threw everything they had at you and you still came out on top and that's inspirational. And that's what I aim to do through my show is I try and inspire and encourage others to take action. And I think that you are an inspirational figure, both in what you've endured and in what you've created. And I think that you are trying to do the same thing through your work, which is inspire and encourage others um, in, in your own sort of niche way. So um, I'm going to let you have the last word. I usually, you know, the name of the show is what can we do Um, besides joining exit group, which um, of course is only for men. Talk to me generally about what men and women of all walks of life can and should be doing right now that you think to navigate uh, our current Rocky situation and to make themselves cancel proof. Well, thank you so much for, for the, for the kind words. I would say take inventory of your resources and your vulnerabilities. Figure out what hooks they have on you and figure out how you could minimize them. How could, think about practical liberty. Don't obsess about what the law allows you to do. Think about what you're capable of. Like what 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 do you want to do and who's going to stop you and the more you can the more you can develop those capabilities and the more you can secure yourself against people stopping you from doing what you want to do the less you're going to worry and the less you're going to have to worry about the broader political situation because you will be free regardless of what that thing does and so that, that's, that's, uh, that obviously, yes, that's what I try to accomplish at exit, but everybody can and should be attacking the problem from that lens, trying to become more sovereign. That's, that's what I would say we should do. Yeah, that's great. I love it. What do you want to plug? Obviously plug your website. Is the natalism conference open to the public? Do you want to plug that? Anything you want to plug? It's well, it's currently password protected because we're getting the guest list squared away, but it's going to be natalism.org and then, and then, yeah, exitgroup.us. Uh, so watch that space, natalism.org. That's going to be going live in the next couple of weeks, but, uh, but exitgroup.us is currently live and you can sign up there. Yeah. Do you want people to listen to Dr. Bennett? Yeah. Yeah. Go <laughs> listen to Dr. Bennett. He's, he's, he's a, 
America's foremost public intellectual. He's great. Yeah, that's right. And that's uh, that's the <laughs> the exit podcast, I guess, that you can find on uh, your favorite podcast app. All right, Kevin. Well, thanks so much for joining me and for your insights and advice. They were very prescient uh, or very profound. And I love that you were able to come up with such great advice, especially on the spot. You, you really uh, offered a lot of food for thought today, and I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. It's great to be here.